Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Building the Future podcast, where I have conversations with entrepreneurs, innovators, and thought leaders that are shaping the African future. My guest today is Marek Miswowski. Marek is the founder and CEO of Hotel Oga, a hotel management system which provides booking engine, website, customer relationship management to hotels in Africa. Earlier this year, Hotel Oga matched with Savannah Sunrise, another travel and hospitality marketing company based in Kenya. Prior to starting Hotel Oga, Marek was the managing director at Jovago, one of the rocket internet companies in Africa. Marek was born and grew up in Poland where he founded two startups. He exited the last one in our course Nigeria home and is making a big bet on the future growth of the continent. In this interview, we discuss Marek's journey into the startup world. We also discuss how he started Jovago in Lagos, signed up 500 hotels before they launched their website, how they grew to over 20,000 hotels in Africa, and his view about how to start and scale internet businesses in the continent. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. The next African story will be written by Africans. Meet the people using technology, innovation, and entrepreneurship to craft this new narrative. This is Building the Future Podcast with your host, Dalton, coming up today on Building the Future. You enter a market and you you, you not only assume that the online business will grow, you're also betting on the country's stability of the political system. Uh, you're counting on the fact that the capitalism will, will, will grow, uh, the system will stay, and people will just have more and more purchasing power, and the online business is just a result of all the other political changes. Let me tell you about account here. No matter the stage of your business, your success is dependent on how much you understand your finance. Accountier is a ridiculously simple online accounting platform, specifically designed for small and medium-scale businesses in Africa. It is neat, easy to use, and simple. With a mobile app, you can also use it offline. Accountier simplifies your financial report, help you to create invoices, track your expenses, and avoid overpaying taxes. Here's the best thing. Accountier is integrated to local payment solutions such as Paystack in Nigeria and DusuPay in Uganda, Ghana, Rwanda, Kenya, and Tanzania. Go to accountier.com forward slash Dotun and sign up to use it for free. There's an exclusive offer to the listeners of this podcast. You get 75% off your first year subscription when you sign up for a premium account. Go to accountier.com forward slash Dotun. That is A-C-C-O-U-N-T-E-E-R.com forward slash dotun and sign up so marek welcome thank you for having me i, I find it hard to pronounce your surname just like a lot of people find it hard to pronounce my you need a couple well. drinks and then it's <laughs> to, much easier it's easy. to pronounce polish names okay. it's uh, probably as hard for me to pronounce some of the yoruba or Ibo names probably as for you to pronounce the polish <laughs> so how do you so. pronounce your surname zmyswowski zmyswowski there's a lot of sh and sh and psh in, yeah. in polish language yeah. yeah right so you used to be a startup founder in poland mm -hmm. And then you started working for Africa Internet Group or, or Rocket Internet. Internet yeah. uh, what was the story? What was the link between you yeah. living in Poland and coming to Africa to work so, with? So, so just, just to give you the long story short, I started, first of all, I started in the finance sector. First, second year of my studies, I, was, I would be just selling insurance products, um, mortgages, investment products, you know, those typical guys. Uh, wearing suits and pretending they're big investment bankers just making money on sales like wolf of wall street kind of and that was in poland that was in poland i was 19 <clears throat> that was the year 2006 five 
So that was before Lehman Brothers and all the market crash. So you could make a lot of money on this one. So that's how I made my first money. And start selling um, insurance products, insurance products, finance products yeah. to individual in, customers. Individual customers. Individual customers. We're almost like door-to-door salesmen. We didn't do door-to-door salesmen because we had an office and we were working mostly based on recommendations. But that was direct sales. One of the greatest learnings uh, for, for me of business, that particular work. That's where we've made a lot of money. And then the market crash came. And that's it wasn't fun so fun anymore because it wasn't easy to find a customer for investment product. Because everybody is keeping money. their money. Yeah. yeah. And your customers are not happy anymore because they just lost money. They're not going to give you any recommendation <laughs> anymore. And also at the same time, you could hear more and more about the rising startup ecosystem in Poland. And whenever startups grow, there's a trend, there's a hype about it. It has to be cool because if it's not cool, it's not going to attract talent. And do you think that hype is very important as well? It's extremely important. Yeah. It, it, I mean, like it's, it's, it works both ways. It's many times negative because it attracts the wrong kind of attention, but you need it for the right kind of attention. I think Mark Essien said it once. He, he used a nice analogy of United States from the seventies. I don't know if it's true, if it's factual true, but I like it. That uh, in the 70s, 60s, it was cool to do something around space exploration. So NASA and all these companies would attract the biggest talents. Uh, and this is why they, they, you know, they progressed. Now, startups are so cool. And then I, then they attract. For startups, it's also bad because then you have, for example, you can just end up going to conferences and reading TechCrunch instead of actually uh, hustling. <laughs> But like I said, everything has its good and bad sides. But I think it's needed, that hype and that feeling of coolness. It's extremely important, especially in the beginning, because you want to attract those talents mm-hmm. um, to, to do actually this. Especially when the talents have got uh, options uh, um, that they could go into like the bank. Because I left Nigeria in 2004. At that time, the, the, the only three places you can go to work if you want to earn good money when if you're graduating in Nigeria, that that is a big call. Mm-hmm. Bank, telecoms, and oil, oil and gas. Mm-hmm. Those are the only three places. Yeah. And so, if you got that kind of trajectory in, mm-hmm. in Africa, you need to make startup cooler than yeah. they actually appear to be to attract the best talent to come there. And in in my you know in, in back in my days in Poland, it was either be a lawyer, a doctor, or maybe it's not as well paid but still very stable, a teacher or a government worker or or a soldier. My mom was a teacher. My daughter was a soldier. So I just come from that stable government-funded, uh, government government-funded sector, and I didn't really go to entrepreneurship because I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I went there because I just wanted to make some money, and it just happened like that. that. So you started as this insurance salesperson. You made some money there, and then there was a crash. And then there is the rising up of startup ecosystem in yeah. Poland, and you think that is something for that. me to do. <laughs> I can, <laughs> I can do, that. do. I just made so much money being 19 year old. Uh, was selling insurance products. I can be, I see on some CNN guy sitting in Starbucks in California writing something on a computer. He looks like he's a total douche and he's making some millions. And then you think, just, I can do that. I can be better at it. Let me do it in Poland. <laughs> and obviously, I spent all my money and lost it. Is in it? the most textbook. What, what did, textbook what did you do? What was the first startup? Oh, we did. We did. We started with a dating website. And of course, we spent crazy, some crazy. Almost hundred thousand dollars just on building a on doing what on what? building a, a, a dating website dating website just preparing the back end front end and then spending some crazy money on advertisement without even knowing the proof of concept like we've made all the textbook definition mistakes of how, to, of, of how not to build a startup how to how to raise money that wasn't we were not raising at that stage because we were spending our own money how not which founders not to work with. <laughs> 
<laughs> what not to spend money on, like, you know, all those things. How not to go to market when you don't have a product market fit and try to do advertising. You don't even know who your customer is, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Obviously, I wanted to solve my own problem, which is going on more dates. <laughs> <laughs> which is a good place to start sometimes. So you have a problem. And then you thing, can... <laughs> I think that's thing we started the, the proper way with. And then we also did some software for accounting. Uh, we try to do some platform for artists when they can upload their arts works and, and sell it. Uh, and you were with some of the co-founders there? Oh yeah, they were always friends from work or from my, my studying times. And yeah, everything ended up with nothing. You know? <laughs> uh, and, but I had to somehow make money. And back in high school, I was also making some extra money doing bartending stuff, waitressing. I was always, I was always close to hospitality. Uh, so I ended up being a bartender, you know, after times in, in my finance uh, um, uh, sector because I had, had to make some money. And and although I didn't have money anymore, I already knew that I love this startup thing. You know, it's cool. You can run a business from your laptop. You can do so many cool stuff. You have that coolness, that hype, which really pulled me into it. And bartending allowed me to make money on the weekends and in the evening. And during the day, I could pretend I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur. That's, go for a meeting, that's so know? cool. So you and your story is quite interesting. So you you come from someone wearing suit and any big money, mm-hmm. lost it in a startup, and then said, "Actually, I'm gonna keep pick myself up." And you took a bad job, yeah, doing waiting and, and hospitality, and yet continue to do your startup thing during the day. Thing, yeah. That is very, because some people would not want to go anywhere from there. I just actually. Um, I was just going to get a job or I don't, I cannot be hustling anymore. Yeah. And then just lose track of. No, I was 23, 24 and I already knew that this is something I want to do, or at least I want to continue doing this. At least I achieve something at least until I'm going to get bored Um, because I usually get bored pretty easily, but not at that stage. I I felt that hunger that I want to do something. I liked it because that's the moment when you just taste something and then someone takes it away from you and you want to, you want to try doing it more. So, uh, we had another concept this time I had to raise some money. Uh, we wanted to build an online marketplace for non-laugh funeral services. For what services? Funeral services. <laughs> now that you said it, I forgot that you said funeral. I should not laugh. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like travel, just one way. Yeah? <laughs> uh, and uh, this, this, this stage, we had to raise money. And So, hang yeah. on. Online marketplace for funeral services. We're supposed to be buying it. Someone that's about to die no. or their family? The family. The family is the customer. <laughs> so when people, somebody dies, somebody just lost a loved one. And they were thinking, I need to go online and look for a phone so, or a service. So that was the hypothesis. Uh, who's the typical customer? It's someone that is around 35, 40 years old. Because right. usually when someone dies in the family, if you're 35, 40, you would be the one chosen to take care of the formalities. Because you're probably already, you're adult. You cannot be too close to the guy that died because he would be too emotional about it. You're probably the cousin of the person that died. So the family will ask you to take care of it. So um, that was the time when those first millennials or those first, I would say, hardcore users of internet and that consumed everything online, did everything online. They would enter in that age in Poland. Mm-hmm. Like they would enter the age of 30 in Poland. So these type of people, when someone tells you your uncle has died and now you have to quickly find a funeral director, funeral home, take care of all the formalities, you are the first generation that would actually think of taking your smartphone and searching for that particular piece of information on your smartphone, as opposed to your father or uncle that would do it asking the doctor, maybe priest, or maybe searching for in a newspaper. You're the first generation that would do it on a smartphone. So I, we, we noticed that, that shift 
that the online marketing for that sector actually is create starting to grow. Now, don't blame me for this business. It's you cannot blame the restaurant owner for making money on your hunger, right? <laughs> I always use that example. <laughs> Uh, so, and so did you raise money for that business? Yeah, we raised money for that. Oh, so you, you, get, you had some traction. No, we actually raised money. That's the funny thing. I raised money, it's, you could call it pre-revenue, pre-seed stage. Okay. I went just with a PowerPoint saying, this is my hypothesis. These are the numbers that I run through on Google AdWords. I see that there's a growth in searches for those particular keywords. And I just spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in the last two years doing all kinds of failures in startups. So please believe me that I will not make those mistakes again. <laughs> and, uh, and those VC guys decided and, and to And you said VCs in, 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 in Poland. In Poland. Yeah. So is there a sizable uh, good number of in, in investment community VC and angel in Poland? Yes. So the, the, the good thing about Poland is that there's always a lot of money for your pre-seed, pre-revenue stage. Then there's a lot of money for your private equity stage. There's still a, not enough money in that stage between those two. Yeah, the same in Nigeria, isn't it's, it? In Africa, to some yeah, extent. Yeah, I would also say that Nigeria also have a problem at the at the, at the beginning, at the very early stage. Okay. Uh, but that, that was at the time in Poland. We also had a lot of money poured from the European Union. Yes. So VCs would get money from European Union. So the, they could the regional invest, fund. The regional funds. Yeah, yeah. So I was the beneficiary of such an regional fund. Yeah, my my first startup as well benefited from that regional yeah. fund. So thank thank we, you, European Union. So uh, so we did that, and I was able to convince those guys. And also remember, I think that was in Eric Rice startup uh, book, uh, Lean Lean startup. It's easier to make money without revenue than to raise money after you have some revenue. Yes. Because then there's yes. too many question marks. Why does why isn't it growing as fast? Et yes. Cetera, et cetera. Yes. Yes. So we raised in, in such a way. And then we could, we, what's the word? We were right about all the assumptions of the market. We knew exactly where the market is going. The concept was that you're going to build a company based on online marketing. Then you're going to offer semi-franchise franchisees, semi-franchise for those existing funeral homes. They will take your brand. They will start paying you part of their revenue. You're going to use their money to promote for them. And then maybe you're going to IPO, buy them all and put the company like that uh, on, a, on, on a, what's the word, capital market on the stock exchange. Everything was happening in that direction that I uh, expected. It was just happening too slow. So that was a typical case for me. I remember after two years of running, we're running out of money. We had revenue, but not big enough. No one wanted to invest in such a, uh, such a business. It was too early for us to be purchased by those big guys investing in real fun offline funeral business. And I, I had a, I had a solution. I would either now turn this business into offline funeral home because I already had the brand, the existence and, and all the processes in place. Or I would just close it down or I would do something else. I didn't want to become a funeral director. <laughs> I, I did that because of startups. So I did, decided, and I think that was one of the best decisions of my life, to quickly run another startup doing similar thing, but in a different sector. So I could just, just kickstart it from my own operations. With all the learnings. And with how all the learnings, yeah. with the same team. And hopefully it will make money and it will also allow Mementis, that was the funeral startup, to survive the, the tough times. And we launched an, um, a platform for auto-diagnostics. So again, you would promote it online. You would work with a network of existing auto mechanics or mm -hmm. auto experts. And that the concept was that if you had an accident or you wanted to buy a car, which is in a different city, you don't need to go there on your own. You would just send someone that does it for you, sends you everything back. And that 
started to grow very fast. Why? Because the market for that was already huge online. Right. Every car, you almost almost 100% of the cars you, you purchase, used cars you purchase in Poland, you would start uh, your journey of searching for the car online. That, that, that part of the customer behavior, that part of the industry is totally digitalized in Poland. So that was digitalized already. Everything was happening online. So it was easier for me to grow on already digitalized sector as against, you know, in and was, was the market fragmented? Because if people are already searching online for cars, then there should be somebody who's aggregated all of that already. So yeah, it was, there were already aggregators and there were classified companies where you can go and search for a car. But what we were providing is the service. Okay. You're in London now. The car is in, I don't know, Birmingham mm-hmm. or mm, some uh, Manchester. Mm-hmm. You don't want to spend whole day going just to see the car and then you, you're going to turn see that this car like doesn't look at all as what you see on the pictures. You want to send someone that is an expert that will check this car for you. You, you save your time and it's actually cheaper than the fuel you will, you will, will buy. Oh, okay. So you discover a car and then the, you, you get the, so it's almost like a concierge service yeah. to check the car for yeah. you and tell you what I should They will take you to the car diagnostic center and they will tell you if, what is the, the actual value and what is the actual state of the car. So you pay that whether you are buying the car later on or not? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you probably buy three or four such a services and you will choose one of the cars. And, and how then, did that go? And that Business? went extremely well because we entered revenue shared agreements with those classified uh, websites. Interesting. So you're not going head on because a lot of mistakes that startups make sometimes, or founders make, which I fall into that category sometimes as well in the sense that you think of an idea, you say, I can use technology to disrupt this. So therefore, I should go head to head with the people established. No. In some cases, you want to disrupt the existing market. You want to but, see that there's already a wave. You just want to ride the wave. But it's a wave that you're going to ride. Oh, yeah. there are people that you can partner with yeah. and find a way of making them to be involved in the whole deal because that way you can then exactly. grow so, quickly. So in Polish example, there were three or four classified websites that were leading the market. So I would just go to them and tell them. The, the hard part was convincing them not to pay them per just putting the billboard on and paying them per number of, uh, you know, how many times they display or just for time. I wanted to pay them per action, per customer click or per customer purchase. And thank God they agreed on this one. So I spent zero money upfront on marketing. I only paid them when I already made, made revenue. Mm. So this is why it was working pretty well. And money we made on this one was enough also to, um, uh, you know, keep uh, the the funeral business uh, afloat. So, how did you move from that to working with Rocket Internet? Yeah. So, at this stage, as I told you before, I get used, I get bored pretty pretty easily. That was okay. Two years after, because all that uh, he, that that adventure with those two startups was almost four years, uh, or three, three or four. I don't remember now. Rocket Internet guys reach out to me. Uh, you know, just common friends, LinkedIn. And you were still running your startup? I was still running you it. You were not looking for any other opportunity? No. Your startup was... Cont- were you profitable at that point? Uh, we were not profitable yet. We were actually raising another round. You were, you were raising another round? So yes. You, you investors, you're telling your investors, we are, and I'm in this for the long haul, yeah. and I'm doing, we're going to the next stage, and then suddenly somebody has reached out to you. Oh, we were raising another round. So there was, there was a buyer for... there was Finally, there was a buyer for the funeral business. We wanted to continue with the auto-diagnostics thing. There was another round... But then again, it was all for Polish market. At that stage, what I was still craving for was to have an international business adventure. Get to travel more, build an international business. I spent so for, my- the, for the 
sorry to go take it back for the yeah. auto diagnostic business how much were you raising or how much did you raise at that point so by, by that time we we raised 250,000 together with the funeral business heroes, heroes yeah and i think we're raising 500,000 just to continue growing still the seed um uh, no seed angel round serious uh, mm, depend on the quali- qualification mm-hmm. you could actually call it an angel yeah but there's some vcs involved as well what it it was it was from a vc okay vc okay because you know in poland and i think it's the same thing in nigeria and in africa vcs tend to look for smaller basket uh, smaller was the word tickets than they would normally look They'll for pay, in other yeah, countries yeah yeah that's true so i think they have different uh, classifications for for those smaller countries but anyway yeah so we were about we we're in the process of raising uh and then i started having some conversations with rocket guys and at this stage rocket was very aggressive in poland i think they were just after this acquisition deal with groupon because they had a city deal uh, business in europe they did groupon i think they were that was already after they launched zalando there were this freaking uh formula One among other kias you know like this this company that if you do if you're running internet business and you want to grow something quickly you go to them you go to them to uh, to learn like you, if you want to have the best education you would go to probably to some ivy league you want to have great consulting background uh you want to be wanted by every company you would go to some big four consulting companies you want to have all the experience uh in startups in building businesses you would go to rocket internet that would that's the opinion about rocket fast, yeah yeah So they, because of that, they would always attract the, the biggest talent. And I wasn't the typical guy that Rocket Internet would at, would at, would hire, because Rocket usually uh, hires ex Ivy League, some ex McKinsey, ex Price Waterhouse Coopers, etc. I was a college dropout, but I had this, you know, cool experience in building startups in almost frontier markets, because Poland, especially those businesses I build, uh, it's kind of like in frontier markets, <laughs> in an emerging market. And I think that's that's what. That was my value, and we had a couple of conversations, and I guess they liked me. And at certain stage, they said, "Okay, we already have this e-commerce business in, uh, in Nigeria." That was, I think, six months after they launched Jumia, and they said, "Okay, these are other businesses we also wanna we also wanna launch. Are you in, maybe interested in, in one of them?" Uh, and one of the offer on the table was to build the Expedia of Africa. And because of my, like I told you before links to hospitality business like being the bartender waiter I was always always like this travel hospitality industry it's nice you make people happy yeah. um you make uh, you're hospitable and i said okay i like this but i still have my polish business uh so i went um i went back to my uh, co-founder and i told him that i want to you want to leave yeah, i want to leave and at that point you were the ceo yeah so <laughs> That normally marks the death of a startup when a CEO of a early stage startup leaves because yeah. But I was lucky that my co-founder was also my mentor. Like he was older than me. He he was actually one of business angels. That's how I met him. So he decided to join the business. We did it together, and he could perfectly do it uh, even without me if 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 he wanted to. So we had these discussions and. Uh, it wasn't an easy discussion. You go back to your co-founder after a couple of years. You're raising another round, and then you know your founder tells you, "You know, I have this cooler adventure. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna live through." And I would really like that rocket internet adventure because, first of all, of the opinion they uh, they had, like I explained to you, and second of all, I was this Polish guy spent my whole life in Poland, wasn't really traveling much because I didn't really come from a rich family, so I was really craving for that international adventure. So that was my motivation, and he understood that because. Like I said, he was my mentor. He said that uh, probably if I were you, I would do the same. 
he also had that type of experience. He was living in Japan for many years before he, he went back to Poland. So he said, go. And uh, we, got, we, we got a good deal. He bought me out. He bought you out? He bought me out. So, he, he, so even though you're not profitable, you're, you're, he, he, paid, he bought your shares and paid him money yeah. to leave. I think I was able to cash out on this one because he knew that we're gonna, we were about to raise money anyway. And, and they raised money? Was How was the business now? He, it's still, he's still running it. He sold the funeral part. But and he was running that auto diagnostic part. If I stayed with him, I would probably make more money. <laughs> but that's typical, you know. Because they, they they're doing well financially. They're doing well financially now. They're they're profitable already. Probably if I kept my shares, uh, they would be worth way more now. But at that stage, I just I don't know. I don't have this investor long term attitude. I wanted to have that cash. Maybe I wanted to you know spend it on something <laughs> else, etc. And so yeah, but I don't regret it. I guess. Well, it was good to be part of something. You beat something. Yeah. And you're able to, because a lot of founders beat stuff and they don't make money out of it. They do not. There are only very few people that are able to cash But that's the founder thing and that's the founder attitude. You know, I'm more happy that I have the brand which I created and it's still there. It's still in Poland. It's still doing well. It has a known brand. People in Poland know me because of my Polish startups, not really because of uh, Nigerian startups. Oh, that's interesting. And that's that's very satisfying, you know. Then I think, oh, maybe shares. If I had those shares, probably they would be worth now. But at that stage, I, I sold it. Uh, I, he, he was able to, again, get that motivation. He had more shares. So he had more motivation to work because he could make more money. Was the motivation of just dragging someone that is not with the yes, company anymore? Yes, that's true. That's true. So you moved to Africa. What was your first point of call? Nigeria? Lagos. Lagos. Because uh, at the beginning, they said, okay, maybe Egypt. At that stage, I had I had no clue about Africa. I only knew Africa from books, which I didn't read many. <laughs> uh, so Egypt, I knew pyramids and good kite surfing spots. Then they said Nigeria because it's the biggest market. It's like a testing ground for every investor. Because if anything can go wrong, it will definitely go wrong in Nigeria. Uh, so if you can succeed in Nigeria, it's gonna, you're going to have much easier play to do in other countries. So of course, Lagos. I landed and uh, I had to create a budget. Uh, estimate cost revenue come up with a budget then come so back there to was, them you, you landed ground zero nothing zero. there was nothing. no Javago there was no they, they had some presence with Jumia and they were just beginning but then there was nothing you, you have to build it from scratch and hire your own team Jumia had an office already I think they were six months into, into operations or something like that uh, there was a guy uh, hired by Rocket sent to Lagos two months before me to do market research for Javago so he was the his name was Philip and sorry, and Mark, two, two, two guys uh, that did research. Okay, how many hotels are they? Start talking to hotels, like would you be working with an online travel agency, et cetera, et cetera. So they, they, they did that groundwork for me. They were waiting for me to come to Lagos because I it took me some time to finish the formalities with you know uh, handing over my company, selling shares, et cetera, et cetera. So I landed after them. So and what was the first impression when you landed in Lagos? Oh my Lagos God, everyone is shouting so much. I thought people are <laughs> fighting with each other around me. Someone is getting murdered or something. I don't just tell Yoruba people discussing business. <laughs> That's, that is a very, that is a Western perspective of, of how Nigerians talk. Yes, we do shout a lot. You do. You do yeah, and then very expressive as well. And everyone is very aggressive like, in the communication. Not aggressive in a negative way. Like you, you'd come out and everyone's like, you want a car, you want a taxi, you want to change money. Yeah. You know, in Western culture, it's considered almost rude to just talk to someone you don't know on the street. You would only do it in an emergency, like you, you want to know where's the ATM or what's the time. And you even come with a uh, almost apologetic and try yeah, to. I'm sorry to interrupt yeah, yeah. you, but but in, in Nigeria, somebody yeah. just comes to you. Hey, yeah. do you, 
They will just stand in front of you. Hey, do you? Where is the way to that place? And exactly. Ask you. You should. You should tell me because yeah. it's my right for me to ask you. That exactly. Question. You should stop now. <laughs> so that that was that was the. I remember the first thing. And what what else do I remember? Oh, I was worried about you know the net the market the network 3G if the internet is working etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So we took the we took the airport route from the airport. We're traveling to Lecky. And I could see a big billboard uh, above the street. I think that was Etisalat, like your one gigabyte bundle for only 10,000 naira or something like that. So I was like, okay, if there are telecoms offering data bundle on the street, that means there's already business for that. <laughs> and I, I will be able to, to, to be online. So that, that's what I remember. So, so when you landed, you, you, Grand Zero, you started looking to hire your team and build, build something out. Yeah, but we awesome. didn't really hire people for the first two or three months. Okay. What we did is, you know, we needed to understand the market. So all I did for the first three months was visiting 10 hotels per day, trying to talk to the hotel managers and uh, by trying to sell them your pitch. I mean, like I was building my pitch to hotels and my business model based on the feedback I would get. Yes. Like I would be, I would try to offer them different types of uh, commission uh, offers and trying to, to look test out which one they will, they will respond to because you know if someone is complaining but uh, but agrees that's where, where that's where the well, level is yeah if someone mm-hmm. says okay no problem I will pay you that much that means that <laughs> it's not enough yes so it took some time and I really had to understand you know the business the culture everything and the I pain was, point of this hotels people their as pain well. points why do they want to work with you of course we we're trying to explain them online marketing we had to explain them that there's this thing called internet and they will be have more and more customers from the internet and if they don't do the online booking thing they would actually lose their existing sources of bookings because internet not only gives you more bookings internet also steals you those existing customers because the internet changes behavior of everyone uh, so we had to, you know, understand how to pitch to them. What do they respond to? How much we can get paid for every customer? And I think only after we, 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 got, we maybe signed a deal with five hundred hotels. You signed five hundred. Something like that. There was three of us. Uh, after five hundred, we were convinced, confident enough. Okay, I think I understand the market already. Uh, and I know you were what online at that point. No, that was we were, we were you just under the radar before you before you went online. Yeah, we 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 didn't even start working on the website. And he just telling hotels because I think it's it's, it's a pretty straightforward uh, deal, right? Yeah. Just, hey, do you want more customers? Yes. Do you have unoccupied rooms? Yes. And you want this to be occupied? Okay. And if I drive people to you, will you accept them? Yes. And if I give you, if I take tell you for every one dollar that you make, you give me thirty. 30 cents. Mm-hmm. Is that okay? And it's okay. Yes. Okay. That's is not that easy. <laughs> so is, it, is, is that how, unfortunately, is that how the conversation works? If, if you pitch it like that to them, they will tell you, oh, I can give you maybe for every dollar I can give you. Okay. First of all, for every dollar you want to take, if you said 30%, they would say never. They would tell you, I will give you 5%. They would tell you on, they would give you an average five to ten percent because the problem with understanding the business in and not only in Nigeria but in other markets is that many times hotel owners or landlords they would prefer to have an empty apartment or an empty room but they would wait for someone to finally pay you the full amount 
like explaining them, listen, every day when the room is empty, you're actually losing money because you have to still pay for the electricity, etc., etc. It doesn't really translate that easily to, 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 to their understanding of, um, uh, of the business. Yeah. So the whole concept was to make them understand that having empty rooms is actually the impact of, of excess capacity you have on your business. Exactly. And also, uh, it's very hard to uh, estimate when you run a hotel or any offline business, the real cost of customer acquisition. Customer comes, he spends 10,000 naira on a room. You don't even know how he came. He just came from the street. You have no clue how he found you because you're not asking him. Maybe he found you because he's seen your advert in the newspaper. Maybe a flyer. Maybe your guest, maybe your existing guest told him. You have no clue about the estimation if out of that 10,000 naira, you probably half of the money you spent in different ways that you don't really to get see yes. to get the customer. This is why he doesn't see the value in the money he's supposed to uh, pay you. So that was the biggest challenge to make them understand. So the they cost, don't understand cost the customer customer acquisition acquisition. cost. Okay. Why? And then of course the value of a returning customer, because it's very easy to go to the market and tell tell the guest pays me five, pay me five percent. But then you're gonna build an unsustainable business and you're gonna destroy the market, just like some telecoms did. Yeah, they would enter the market and just slash the prices down, and then they would deal. They would struggle to uh, to be profitable because they started with the with too low prices. So, so you sold to 500 um, hotels that, that story and you bought it and then you went online. Yeah, that gave me that gave me the confidence that I know what I'm doing and mm-hmm. then we started building the website and then we started hiring people and then we started operations. And then you launched and then you then started worrying about how to then tra- drive traffic yes. to that site. Because that's the, always the chicken egg problem when you yes. build a marketplace. Hotels, you tell them that there's going to be a lot of customers but in order to bring customers you have to give them a lot of offer. So, Hotels were already very upset. Like, you've signed up with me three months ago and I still didn't get any customer. Which is also funny. This guy hasn't paid at all any money. He will only pay money if I bring the customer. I make all the investments. I visited him. I build the website. I will spend money on the marketing. And I'm dealing with an unhappy guy that (laughs) uh, didn't get any customers yet. So that's also the case of managing expectations. But that's another another topic. Once you build the demand, then you have to quickly build... uh, Sorry, once you build the the supply, supply, you have to build the The demand. uh, demand. And then there's a another testing you know another and, story and you of have testing. to match uh, match them as well because you don't want to have too much supply for the demand and as soon as you don't have too much so demand where you don't have enough supply, you have to have you yes have to have that balance of the two-sided marketplace Correct. every time because if you have too much supply then uh every of your vendors will get not enough bookings and they all will all end up being not really happy yes you have to have enough supply for the customer to say oh these guys have great choice but not more yeah just enough for them to appreciate yeah and so it's I always balancing it. It's it? always balancing. And I think for every sector is different. Uh, for hotels, I don't know. I, I, I want to spend 20,000 naira and I want to have a hotel with Wi-Fi and a free breakfast in that part of area. If you give me at least five hotels I can choose from, I should be happy. If you give me only two, I will not be happy. If you give me 10 or 20, I'm happy anyway. Yes. So stick to those five. So, so um, the, the lot of discussion uh, about Rocket Internet was that you guys had so much cash. And you were able to buy the market by just spending sometimes an unsustainable amount of money to acquire users. Uh, with the thesis that if you mm-hmm. acquire them, they stay. And then over time, mm-hmm. your CAC, your cost of acquiring customer reduces. Mm-hmm. Were you doing that? Were you, were you just going aggressive in customer acquisition? Yeah, that's, that's part of the philosophy. You enter a market and you, you, you not only assume that on the online business will grow, you're also betting on the company, com, uh, country's stability of the political system. Uh, you're counting on the fact that the capitalism will, will, will grow, uh, the system will stay, and people will just 
you know, have more and more purchasing power and the online business is just a result of all the other geopolitical changes. So there's a big bet behind uh, racket philosophy. And yeah, you know, remember we discussed about that startup's hype, the good and bad effects of each action. Yes, Rocket is one of those companies that uh, you enter a frontier market, you have to raise a lot of cash because you raise the cash when there's a good story about Africa. There was a great story about Africa for a couple of years when you were able to, especially when you're a company like Rocket, you were able to raise a lot of money. But everyone knew that this this, this time will end. Um, so you raise a lot of cash because you know it's a marathon. It's a 10 to 15 years Okay, optimistically seven, but realistically 10 to 15 yeah, years to build a capital. big, sustainable, profitable business. So you have to have tons of cash and it's good that you're raising enough because you don't want to raise every six months because then you're going to be a, you're going to be a prison to the KPIs. Many times if you, if you have a deal with an investor, okay, I'm going to give you today this much. In six months, if you deliver this, then I'm going to give you the rest. And then in six months, if you deliver this, I'm going to give you more. You become the prison of those KPIs. Yes. In six months, you can come up to the conclusion, I shouldn't care about this KPI anymore. Yes. This because is the market not, changes. And the market has changed. And the feedback you're getting from the market that you need to yeah. actually do something. That, but you have to deliver point. it because you don't want to get the money. That's what I agree to. Yeah. That's a good point that you made because I fell into that trap when I was running my startup at one point when we were all run, almost run out of money and we had to go and beg our investors for money. And one of the conditions is like, we're going to drip fed investment yeah. for you. And I had to take it, but I would advise any startup founder not to do no. that because it's always hard. Uh, because what you have, like you said, you put it rightly, you become a prison to KPI mm -hmm. and KPIs is that is, you shouldn't even be tracking anyway, but you promise them that this is what you're going to deliver. Yeah. And it also, also puts you under pressure to be delivering, you're working for investors rather than working for your for your market. Yeah. Even though you believe that this, the market should be going this way, mm -hmm. you don't have the freedom and the uh, and the power to be able to go the other way. Yeah. Which is one of the dynamics of startups. The startup should be able to be agile and change quickly. And especially if your investor doesn't really always understand everything, he's mm -hmm. not as close to business, then mm -hmm. he may not understand it and he will not be happy. So you just choose. Politically, okay, let me just chase that KPI. So, so what would money. you say to startup founder that found that, that found themselves in that situation where they is that how they take that short-term KPI-led drip feeding investment, mm -hmm. or they get nothing? So always try to uh, get as much money as possible without any additional terms regarding tranches. You need to really be sure of your KPIs, mm -hmm. and you can only be sure of your KPIs the, the ones that you really have to stick to. At the later stage, at the later stage, it's not always. It, it's probably almost impossible to get a, to get yourself in a comfortable situation when you're going to raise a lot of money. You're going to get everything up front, and then you're going to have a lot of space to uh, space, a time, and money to to navigate and experiment with everything. Of course, your investors will always always push to give you as little as possible, control you as much as possible. But it's a struggle. You need to find and negotiate the best position for you, remembering that. The earlier you are on the market, the less confident you are, you should be about any any of your assumptions. That's true. You need to have space for changing your assumptions. Yes. Whenever you negotiate with an investor, you need to remember that that many of your assumptions can be wrong. Yes, that's that's very true. Mm. But coming back to your question, uh, is is that the good thing about raising so much money? So that's the good thing you have to do it if you want to be comfortable to you know build a stable cash flow intensive business in the frontier markets but then there's a problem in managing and execution if you have a lot of money and you have a big organization the bigger the organization is the bigger the mistake margin is the more money people spend on stupid stuff the more the harder it gets to control every every dollar 
Because every because money wants you to spend it. So no, no matter how much we, you and I talk about lean startup, when you have so much money, you can actually we can afford that conference. Yeah, we can afford to buy that extra computer uh, when sometimes you don't need it. It can actually become a problem in your corporate culture. Okay, where does where does big company having millions of dollars raised so much money, and we so we are on the frontier market. So we we have the comfort of making mistakes. Because this is why we've raised so much money. Because we have to have a lot of time, and we're still learning. This is a this is almost wild west. So having that belief, I can make mistakes. You know, it's kind of like a self fulfilling story. You just lose that pressure. You you become too much. Too and comfortable. do you have that challenge uh, while you're working? In- I think okay. that was oh, that I, that was a challenge of many 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 ventures. Not only Javago, also other ventures. When you have uh, enough cash to make a lot of mistakes, and that can actually make you too. Uh, too comfortable. Mm. I hope I I can say that you know we were we were pretty pretty good at growth anyway. Yeah. But I I sh- I think honestly speaking, uh, a big company organization like ours that grows so fast, we go from zero to four hundred people in twenty four months in seventeen markets. That was um, a rocket as a as Jovago, a Jovago, Jovago only. only. Oh, you grew from zero to four. So you went to, from not just Nigeria to other markets as well. Yeah, 17 countries. And so you were leading that. I was in the beginning, yes. Then I was focused on West Africa because we hired a country manager for East Africa. Then there was a global CEO that came that was also overseeing Jovago operations in Asia. So I ended up ended up being uh, responsible for West Africa only. And then you, but your major market was Nigeria. Nigeria, of course. And, and Nigeria it, was, uh, although we had 17 countries, Nigeria was generating 70% of all the revenue. And then you quickly went into uh, almost like a like a fight with a, with a local, very well-motivated competition, uh, Hotels.ng. Oh, yeah, because Hotels.ng with Mark, they were on the market be- before us. Of course, of course, uh, uh, much much smaller funding, uh, but you know, much more local company with much more insight. And if you have less money to, well, why are spend, they much, Why do they have more local insight than you? Because you, you, most of your team were you built a team in Nigeria. So, yes. So you 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 had insight as well, don't you? I think it, at, at after a couple of months that difference in understanding the market got smaller and smaller, but they had that head start. Okay. You know, it took me three months doing stuff on my own just to understand the mentality of Nigerian. You know? Yes. But does that also mean that they've done some of the education for you? So when you go to some of the they dance, didn't have you don't need to tell them. I, they didn't have the scale. I think they were doing great stuff and they knew how to acquire. They were like those small local startups uh, run by local funders. They're great in execution, but they do everything on a small scale. So big startup with a lot of money can be worse at execution, but it's end up, it's going to end up having a bigger impact because mm-hmm. of the scale. So they, they had a great head start, and they were, uh, I think, Hotz.ng were at that time very smart in uh, online customer acquisition. Yeah, Mark, as, as a guest in this uh, in this podcast, it's interesting. What he said was that he understood the uh, customer acquisition quick. Uh, that's what he understood about the business quickly, and that, that gave him an edge yeah. in the sense that he understood that search is going to be what we did what we win in the space yeah uh, seo and he knows that properly and he just really really zeroing on that oh yeah that is true i think we um we woke up with that seo we underestimated the importance of seo we thought okay we're just going to do it uh, later and you know how google algorithm algorithms work the age of the website are very important doesn't matter how much money you have <laughs> uh so that's that's the part the online customer acquisition we were super 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 good especially at the beginning 
and the union economics can be very good. Yeah, because you're not spending a lot of money to acquire yeah. those users in the first place. We, when we go offline, we wanted to scale. Of course, the unit economics would be much worse. Mm-hmm. The customer acquisition costs uh, skyrockets. Mm-hmm. And then you have to wait enough for the customer to come back. Mm-hmm. The customer lifetime value in online travel is still high anyway. But the problem is is the customer loyalty, which is very, very, very low uh, in the travel business. Mm-hmm. So you have to have a proper uh, processes to acquire your customers and then to make him return. And that's why you make the money in the span of two years. And like, he, did, he did well in terms of reducing his customer acquisition cost because he was betting on SEO, which is like almost spending nothing yeah. to acquire the user. So his unit economics was quite better. Yes, He didn't have enough skill like you have, mm-hmm. but he had very decent unit economics. Correct. And so while you were running it, how did you try to pivot and change your own execution model to... Reflect that and learning from Mark. So, of course, um, we needed to catch up. So we had a special team built too late. I mean, not too late, but later than we should uh, focus only on online marketing. Uh, and it's slowly we're catching up with more uh, SEO-related stuff. We had, of course, a lot of paid search, but SEO was the, was the main thing that we needed to catch up with Mark. But at the same time, we needed to use our edge, which is doing a lot of offline where you can see that scale. Because with online business, there's only so much money you can spend. There's only so many users you can, you can spend. One of the biggest challenges of Nigerian internet is that 90 million people use internet on a daily basis, but maybe 5 million understands what they're doing. You know? And and half of them has a purchasing power. So when you say offline, you are spending money on the traditional media, you mean? On traditional media, not only, also on direct acquisition costs. Because I'm a fan, remember my experience from finance, I'm a true believer in direct sales. So how do you sell, how do you do direct sales? We had an army of guys running running around with tablets at the airports and bus stations and talking to people waiting in the line for a bus or to buy a a, uh, flight ticket and telling them, have you ever tried to book a hotel online? Do you know that it's first of all it's cheaper? Second of all, the room will be waiting for you, etc., etc., etc. So we would acquire customer offline, and then we would hope he will return. Uh, one of the biggest mistakes I think online startups do is that they think that just because your service is delivered online, that means your customer is also acquired online. There's one thing to acquire customer online, and the other thing to serve your customer online. A restaurant is an offline business that acquires customer online if it does Facebook advertising. You can be a website that will, I don't know, you book a hotel on, but you why not? So you, you fulfill can, it. Okay. Yeah, go and find a customer in a shopping mall. Why not? That's interesting to make that distinction. You can you can leverage an offline to online or online to offline model for any vertical even exactly. though if, if you have an e-commerce and when you know that you are you're the you're the player that leverages on the scale and on the speed then you have to be offline because you cannot wait until the market grows itself because mm. you know there's you can only grow as fast as the sector grow that's true um, you know if you if you only stick to online and then there are many, if, especially if the sector, if the market is still young, yeah. there are very few channels that you can actually, yeah. and you're going to max out some channels anyway. You can max them out so easily, so quickly. Yeah? Let's stop and take a quick break. We'll be right back. <laughs> 
Let me tell you about account here. No matter the stage of your business, your success is dependent on how much you understand your finance. Account here is a ridiculously simple online accounting platform specifically designed for small and medium scale businesses in Africa. It is neat, easy to use and simple. With a mobile app, you can also use it offline. Account here simplifies your financial report, help you to create invoices, track your expenses and avoid overpaying taxes. Here's the best thing. Account here is integrated to local payment solutions such as Paystack in Nigeria and DusuPay in Uganda, Ghana, Rwanda, Kenya, and Tanzania. Go to accountier.com forward slash dotun and sign up to use it for free. There's an exclusive offer to the listeners of this podcast. You get 75% off your first year subscription when you sign up for a premium account. Go to accountier.com forward slash dotun. That is A C C O U N T E E R.com forward slash dotun and sign up there's another stuff that i need to ask you which is how you were able to promote your own brand what is your take on that and that um the because it's almost it almost seems like um richard branson as the Mm -hmm. brand building a business it was that the take or was it you just want to be popular (laughs) i think it was both (laughs) i think it's part of my personality that i'm like if i have an opinion i would i would make it i would make people hear it (laughs) or see it and uh, i tend to use it to my startup's benefit because especially in the beginning like the the company is defined by you especially when the company is very small so the attention to the company is shared with the attention to you and the other and the other way around and i just noticed that I don't know. People want to hear what I want to say, or they just find it entertaining for whatever reasons they may and have. You get a seventy percent lot of controversy. Was that? I mean, because sometimes controversy can be good for business. Right? Controversy means attention yes. sometimes. Yeah, some controversies are on purpose. Some some are not. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, true. And uh, yeah, it, and it, if Jovago has it was actually helping in the beginning. I wouldn't say that it has a huge impact. It had a great impact in those you know online space. People that are on Twitter, people that use just are in the startup world or let's just say a little bit wider in the technology world itself. Mm-hmm. I don't think it had a big impact on uh, on my potential customer who's 45 years old and hasn't, has an, I don't know, normal white collar job or something like this, mm-hmm. unless he read about, he heard about Jovago because he read about me on, in the newspaper. Then that effect, uh, of course, works as well. But yeah, I was, I guess I was able to use that part of my personality in favor of of the company. And it was like that also in Poland. And I think it's like that also with uh, with Hotel Olga. Let's move to Hotel Olga. When you left Jovago, you had options. Yeah. You could have started another startup in Europe. You could have come back to Poland, where you know, or you could work for any. How did you come to the idea of starting Hotel, Hotel Olga, Olga? And mm-hmm. why did you choose to remain in Africa to continue mm-hmm. to build your business? So first, you know, the personal angle. I turned 30 last year and... At this stage, like Jack Ma said, you should already know what it's too late now to change everything. <laughs> uh, but, you know, to, to, to be serious, um, I already knew that technology is something I'm always going to do. I'm always going to stick to. Internet businesses, to, to be exact, not technology, because technology is everywhere. And and looks like Africa and frontier markets. Because uh, I really like Africa. I get myself acquainted. I feel here kind of like home. And I think that Africa like, likes me as well, with some exceptions. <laughs> Uh, and I definitely want to build on that. If you're focused on a specific type of business 
and then in specific region, then you can build some type of knowledge experience, especially when you jump from sector to sector, but it's always around the internet. Because you build some knowledge and, and you build knowledge and relationship and network. Yeah, and if you want to be valuable, you can either be a specialist in one particular thing, like an astrophysicist, or I build rocket ships, or you know, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Or you can have that interdisciplinary knowledge that you're able to connect the dots. That's also very valuable. So I think the second path is 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 uh, is for me. So I knew that okay, it's going to be technology. It's going to be Africa. Let me always focus on building internet businesses around frontier markets, Africa technology, either as an entrepreneur or a consultant or an employee, whatever works for you. And with Hotel Oga, you know, it, when you work in startups, you know that what makes you big last five years is not going to make you big the next five years. Pivot is something so natural to startups. Yes. And one of the trends that I've noticed, and I had the unique opportunity to see what's happening in the travel business, hospitality, technology business in Africa, is to see those trends because I was able to oversee so many countries at the same time and see those changes and also be the part of these changes. And the fact that, you know, what, what made Javago big in the beginning uh, is not necessarily what's going to help you grow even bigger in the next phase. In the beginning, we, in Javago, we were the one educating the market. We would go to a hotel and tell them, listen, there's this thing called the internet. You're going to have more bookings online. You want to get some bookings from us. We're going to help you do this and that and that. And hotels were working very close to us. We were proud to work with 25,000 hotels in sub-Saharan Africa. But the, the, the more hotels work with technology, the more they are fa- get familiar with internet. They become savvy about they become savvy the opportunity. And, and, and the opportunities. And they realize it's not only Travago, there's TripAdvisor, <laughs> there's Booking.com, there's Expedia. Maybe they don't have an office in my country, but I can talk to them via Skype. I can send them an email. So I knew that the, the honeymoon for local OTAs will end up sooner or later. But, but then you, you can say that, but every... At the end, aggregators win because the network effect plays along exactly. in the sense that when you aggregate a lot of people, over time, everybody goes to that to, to that place. So, so if you know what's the hotels end Hotels might know that how to do the technology, how to attract customers, but they cannot win or they cannot beat aggregator who have the network effect and who have enough money and, and liquidity of, 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 of suppliers. But well. it's not about hotel winning with aggregators or travel agencies. It's about travel agencies competing with each other. If you know that if you're an online travel agency and your competition is going to come here sooner or later and the biggest advantage that you've built on the market by being local, that advantage will disappear sooner or later, then stop pretending this is happening or stop slowing down the changes. Instead, become a part of the change and maybe also try to make money on the change. So so your argument was that, okay, you can be an aggregator, a travel agent, mm-hmm. um, there will be bigger ones that will come as well and mm-hmm. it will then become who can piece the most, who has the most money. Mm-hmm. But then you can also build the the B2B side, mm-hmm. which you which you your thesis is that that is going to grow yes. as well because hotels will want to hone their own customer relationship. Exactly. So I knew that in the next couple of years, all those big players that gay didn't come to Nigeria yet, they will end up coming to Nigeria. And hotels will end up working with all of them because if you're a hotel, the more booking sources you have, the better for you. It's also for negotiating power. If you're getting bookings from many different partners, you can always play them against each other. It just becomes another channel. Exactly. <laughs> it's just another channel where you can get more customers. If you work with only, only with one guy, he can always try to harass you, you know? I mean, like, take advantage of its position. But then again, when your hotel wants to work with so many partners, they're going to end up needing some technology just to manage the rates, customers coming in. They're going to want to have those customers come back to them. That's when hotels will see the need of the technology. 
So I was like, instead of pretending this is not happening and just trying to be only an OTA, let's build also something else. Was that something, was that an argument you tried to make internally? Yes. And, and so I was like, guys, this, the, the market is changing. We have to build, uh, we have to build tools that may work against our existing business model, but, uh, will help us build an advantage in the long term. It's like, you know, having a, a, a discussion many years ago, I don't know, you run a radio station and you say, guys, there's this TV thing coming on. I think people start to watch TV. So maybe let's also build a TV station. And someone will say no, because we're building something that will kill us. Yes. But you're going to end up having a TV as well. Yeah, yeah. Or you are the CEO of um, of Blockbuster and somebody is telling you that there is an online platform coming up where people can watch video on demand. Netflix. And he said, let us build that yeah. kind of store. And he said, no. No. But, but then it, it could be, no, actually, that, that, that might not be the best analogy because again, mm -hmm. if I was the CEO of uh, Travago or one of the board members of Travago, I said, okay, hey, or Jovago, I keep saying Travago, of Jovago, I said, okay, yeah, there's that B2B idea, that's fine, but then we've not even proven this market yet, yeah. so, and the, and we know what works, yeah. what what makes you win at the end is focus. Mm -hmm. We know that Booking.com and um, Travago and mm -hmm. other ones, there's marketing online aggregator, mm -hmm. the, the model Mm -hmm. Is that so? Why do we want to divert our attention Correct. from that? Correct. Um, and start building another stuff. That's another. That's another angle, like losing focus. Uh, yes. And it's always easy to you know analyze the, that decision process from the outside, or especially from the pers from the perspective of time. It happened a year ago. Now you know what has what has led to these changes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Those decisions don't seem so obvious the moment you have to make them. Especially when you have a mindset, we're building this OTA, we're, we're running this shit on a very, very frontier market. These are our challenges. You don't have the time to have those philosophical strategy things, maybe once per year, once every six months. The rest is just groundwork and just, you know, eating the, eating the grass. However, I just felt like this is something that would make sense. I didn't really get any attention to this particular thing, including our things which which has happened internally in the organization. I decided, okay, it's time for me to move on. To move on. So it, was it a combination of your entrepreneurial bug as well? So uh, and I say this because I... Uh, I when I when has been my first my, my first startup, I had that bug as well, which mm -hmm. is uh, we're doing something, we just committed to a strategy, and I think mm, there's something else that we need to focus on and do. Mm -hmm. And my 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 uh, my board of directors mm -hmm. and my board, we always try to uh, try to pull me back and say, mm -hmm. try and focus on one on thing because one. I remember we 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 were, we were on an aggregator for restaurants, yeah. and we were driving. The idea was to drive traffic to restaurants yeah. that you can order and we get we get it delivered to you. Yeah. And then I was thinking, actually, since we're working with top quality restaurants, we can also do reservation. People mm -hmm. can order from our can you go and and, and my and one of my investor just said that that is not focusing. And I and I looking back now, I think that was a good idea was, because yeah. I, I was not focusing. I was there was this entrepreneurial bug you spot. Uh, you spot a need in the market. You want to, you want to do to it. Solve it. Yeah. And also, well, I think it's it's a part of personality. You know, you know why there's only so few companies that have a CEO that was the CEO in the beginning and now is the CEO at the end, like Jeff Bezos, like guys like them, almost never happen. He's a genius itself, but you know, bringing the company from all the growth stages, it all happens almost never. It happens in two cases. It happens when, depending on the company stage, you have different type of C-level executives, which are very strong to complement your weaknesses. Yes. 
For example, if you're a CEO that has a lot of business development skills, capabilities, etc., you need a very strong CFO, COO, and the other way around. Or you are the, this genius guy that is just amazing in everything. Uh, companies, but then you evolve and change or you as evolve, well. Or you evolve uh, together with the company. But that happens very rarely. Especially in a fast growth business rather than the lifestyle business where the business, the business change with the CEO actually. There's some companies that have led by the CEO for about maybe 20 or 30 years, but mm -hmm. in lifestyle business kind of. Yeah. Uh, so the CEO just move at his own pace. Correct. But if you're working with a startup, high growth. It's I, very dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. And then coming back to... Uh, no, so I, you decided to move on. Yes. And also, you know, like again, I turned 30 and I started to understand way better what my strengths, what my weaknesses are, what my motivations are. And one of the huge understandings about what I'm good at is that I just realized that I'm a builder. I'm very good at that early stage of a company when you build something from from nothing, nothing and then you just you deliver it to a specific stage and then it's all about screwing the screws. Then it's all about taking this part of the process and just making it even more effective. Then it's just like a, like you you become was how should I? I I don't I cannot find a proper word to describe it. But you just focus. You have a different type of uh, responsibilities. You have already a working process, and now we just focus from one area to another one, and you just try to make it even smoother, make it even better. And cetera, that's tweaking of stuff is not your expertise. Not Yours thing. is working Let's in a dynamic from environment. Zero to one. Let's build from zero to one and, and then, then give one it to, to someone 20, from one to ten. You want to one hundred, somebody else can do that. A exactly. And, you know, it, at Jovago, like I said, we're already a pretty big organization. Uh, and I just felt like, okay, this is not as much fun as it, as it used to be. That's not really, that doesn't really answer. I'm not utilizing my skills, the ones that I want to utilize. And I'm not growing as much as, as fast as I wanted to. So talking about Hotel Ogas, so Hotel Ogas is a, a back-end um, software system for for hotels to manage their bookings? Actually, it's a one-stop shop. With Hoteloga, you can you have the system that you can use use at the reception to check in your guests, print out invoices. So, okay. You so also get a, so it's get also a, there. It's, it's also it's, there. You get a website. The CRM, is it, okay. So it's the CRM is the front-end and the back-end management back -end. system. You get a website, you get your email, your own email address. What but were they using before now? Because there are lots usually, of hotels have these booking systems. No, they usually use pen and paper. <laughs> That's in Africa, right? Yeah, of course, we focus yeah. on Africa. Okay. So you use pen and paper to manage the guests? Yeah, or maybe Excel. But uh, around 15% of hotels in Nigeria use any type of software. And so a soft, an Excel spreadsheet would be considered so as a software. So it's not um, a, a discovery platform. Your, your proposition to them is not for them to be able to get more customers. It's to, is to manage existing relationships. Actually, there is. But that, that's, I mean, that's the hidden gem of it. Because they don't, hotels don't take the software because they can manage bookings and it's so fancy and I'm going to have everything in a, in a file. No, they don't care about that. They care about more bookings. And that's the hidden gem because the moment you start using Hoteloga as a software, it comes with a package of already connecting you if you're a hotel not only to Jovago and Hotz.ng, but you're automatically going to be connected on TripAdvisor. People will be able to see you on Booking.com, on Expedia, on Hotel Beds, on Ctrip, uh, uh, up to 100 for Africa, uh, uh, OTAs. That's so, interesting. And those OTAs bring you, uh, bring so you those bookings. you connect them to, you give them high visibility that, that, that they wouldn't have gotten originally. Exactly. So hotels have, before you, they have options. They, they can either go and build their own website and hope mm -hmm. that They'll get some traffic, mm -hmm. and they then manage their own backend using mm -hmm. some software or Excel. Mm -hmm. Or they come to Hotel Oga, you get them a, a website that connects them to 
lots of directories mm-hmm. that drives traffic. Mm-hmm. They get they get discovered. Mm-hmm. They also have a backend management system mm-hmm. that anybody that book from their from their website mm-hmm. get automatically into their CRM and they can manage it. Easily. And they still get their own website. So they can always tell that when the guest comes from booking.com or some other OTA, if the guest wants to come back, he also has a choice to book you directly on your own website. Because you, you have the guy in your room and then he finally has a chance to get to know you and get to know that you have a website. Otherwise, if you don't have a web, if you have a website, you don't promote it. No one's together. Which is the book. retention part of it? Uh, Telino tells us that, okay, when you work with these platforms, okay, you always pay for the customers every time they come back. Mm-hmm. But with us, you have a chance of retaining them. You are very perceptive. And that's the long, <laughs> that's, that's the long game. Because in the online travel market, there are two sides of the game there's a dark force and then there's a and the other one was i don't know if it's a light or white yeah okay the good force and the bad force force. yeah yeah (laughs) so the otas are considered the bad force you know especially in the hospital dark side the dark side of the force (laughs) because they are so big they've taken advantage of the market hotels are very small there's hundreds of thousands hotels worldwide they never had the budget to fight online on their own. OTAs spend more than 40% of their revenue on marketing. Hotels are only capable of spending maybe up to 10%. So the, the, the online booking world will always be dominated by OTAs. And OTAs work in favor of OTAs. So uh, when you're in the business, you're either on the OTA side or you're on the hotel side. So Hoteloga is supposed to be on the hotel side. We are giving them the software that allows them to get more bookings, but from different channels. But in the long term, we're helping them to build their own customer acquisition channels, which brings us to the conversation of customer lifetime value versus customer acquisition cost that we had in the beginning. The, if you're a hotel, the amount of money you have to pay for every customer from travel agent is so much, you can go bankrupt, even though you're full every day. Because hotels don't know that it's you use them and then you have to take advantage of it and build your own customer. Yes. And that's the uh, customer acquisition channel. You want these customers to come back to you directly. And that's the biggest challenge of hospitality business. To because build again, hotels don't, they, they don't know how to do that. Um, I just run my hotel and I just make sure everything is clean. You don't understand the customer retention process and, and on the onboarding thing. Now, how do, you, how do you help them with that? Because you can give all the software stuff and then you can give them the data and then they can be sending email. Uh, do you o- offer them the email packaging as well? Well, yeah. where they can send email directly to the customer of and update it. Build direct communication. How do you do you do that on their behalf, or they do, or you train them how to do that? So it, there's it's both. When you make a booking on a hotel website, our system will automatically communicate to the guest. Thank you for making a booking. This is how to get to us if you have any problems on behalf numbers. of the hotel. On behalf of the hotel, when the guest leaves, the system will send an email. Thanks for staying with us. If uh, if there's any feedback, just let us know before you're going to talk shit about us on the internet. <laughs> There's actually a specific system. Uh, if if you have a bad experience, quickly write us. We'll come back to you in, in one hour. If you have a good experience, then you send him to TripAdvisor. Bad experience, you want to you wanna have a chance to solve it before the guest posts about it online. Because then the then the review will be different mm-hmm. because the case is already fixed mm-hmm. and 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 stuff like this and like we we implement this in There's the software you automated already in the but software. this is all longer this is ho- something hotels don't really pay attention to right now now the added value is you're gonna get more bookings okay so so that's where I'm going that do you then help them to be able to know how to communicate with the customers over time later yeah. on or social media being strong on their own social media yeah. newsletter okay so where I was going in uh, initially with that question was um, now that you're giving the hotel the power to be able to engage with their own customers Mm -hmm. using your own software 
isn't there then a challenge for them that they, are, they don't have to build that capacity that they don't have to build before, which is customer communication mm-hmm. and relationship. Mm-hmm. And small tests don't have that capacity. No, and we, and we don't force them. Like if you're not ready for it, you won't do it. You don't, you don't change a company by giving them technology. First, you have to change the processes and then technology can only help you managing those processes. But the, the, that's, I think, something people don't understand. The innovation starts in the way you manage the company. Technology is just a, a tool. Tool, yeah. You don't change the company by throwing tools on it. You're only going to get more chaos. Throwing systems on it, chaos is just perfectly perfect chaos. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, Otello Guy is a B2B business. Yes. You're on subscription model. It's a, it actually, that's another innovation that we did. And I hope it's going to work out because <laughs> we don't charge a flat fee for this. You only pay us when you get more bookings. It's but a you don't, commission right, based. You don't control the bookings that you get. We know because all the bookings come from the system. So we get a software, but you pay as if we were an, an agent. And this how is does how, that work for you? how does our business model work for you? Because you are not in control of driving that. We are not, but we are. We know the statistics. We know how the market grows, and we can. Oh, you're come, betting on, on. We can estimate. Yeah, out of 500 hotels uh, in Lagos, some of them are not paying me anything every month because they're not making bookings, but others are paying more. Yes. So you always have to be dependent on them getting more customers and yeah. hope because you cannot drive. You don't have control. I don't over have direct that, control no. over that. And uh, that's our bet. That's how we want to tackle the market. That's how, you know, Nigeria, uh, you have a gate man in front of your house instead of an automated gate because yes. electricity is too expensive. The gate will break down and then no one's going to fix it for a month. But the gate man is cheaper. <laughs> the, the, the gate man is cheaper. So no one uses technology because they want to save time. No one pays no one gives value to the time work human work because it's so cheap so they don't want to pay for this they don't want to pay for technology flat fee yet i wanted to ask because i know that it's gonna be hard to get people to be paying a recurrent money for tools in africa was that model an innovation of that to get around yes that's it and that's a that's a risky that's a risky thing we just assume that we want to also grab the land we want to be the ones educating the hotel and if you have a if you have your software in an organization, if you're able to convince the organization to start using your software, the moment the people get used to it, and it's very hard to kick you off, kick you out. Mm-hmm. You don't want to yes. have two operating systems. You only need one. Yes. So I- they start using you for free or for some change. Then the changes, the, the needs will change over time. You're already there. You will be their one-stop shop for any technology. technology Except somebody changes. comes with something that is a better offering and, and better proposition for them. But then you yeah. have the switching costs. The switching costs, And this yes. is why you have so many big companies stuck with some old legacy oh, software. horrible software but they just don't want to change it yeah that's true especially if you have to retrain everybody again and everybody's used to telegas the software system and yeah that's, that's the bet <laughs> cool i'm gonna go to the um quick fire and question which go ahead. Is just ask you questions and then you just give me one line answer to it but before we go into that i want to quickly intern your merger recently just a quick thought why that and you still new as a company mm-hmm. why did you match with your competition um you know we were raising money to go to their markets they were raising money to go to our markets and what was their market they're like they're from east africa kenya tanzania uganda oh okay so geographic market, geographic not, markets. not verticals yeah and um, have you raised before then they haven't raised they were they were on the market for a couple of years and they were growing slower but organically but did you raise when we you raced started? yeah we raised 200 we raced 
400,000 in total. Because we in, raised twice, yeah. You raised, okay. Yeah. And the, the two, two small rounds happening one after another. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I still remember the case of Jumia versus Conga and the price wars when they were spending so much money on competing with each other, slashing the prices just to get more customers. And in a way, also destroying the market a little bit, yeah, because you're cutting down your your space for profits. Mm-hmm. And at such an early stage when the market is so slow, so small, uh, I don't think that's the wisest thing to do. Maybe sometimes it's better to make the cake bigger so your piece will be big as well. And we decided, guys, we're actually doing almost the same thing. We have similar understanding of, of the market. You're raising to compete with us. We're raising to compete with you. Let's just try to fight the game together because there's a bigger there's a bigger fruit to to uh, to grab in in the future. Yeah? And both of you understood that, and because some people would just walk away and say, "No, yeah. we don't fight." And that's how that's how it all started. Uh, merger is a process. Uh, it's it's not finalized. Uh, it's not finalized yet. Oh, you're still in the process. We're market. still in the, in well, the process. It, it broke out in the news. Yeah, yeah, because we've uh, we've agreed to merge. We've signed a letter of intent, and that's what broke out. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you bought, and you believe that both of you can then raise significant amount of money. Yes, together. because when you go to a, to a, to a fund, you know it's not easy to raise money in Africa, especially when you focus on Africa. For us, it's so obvious Africa is the place to be. That's where the money is going to be. And like, why wouldn't you think about Africa? It's not so obvious when uh, when you're based when you're a VC guy based in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, so many question marks, many risk factors are gone when you merge, because you already have the scale, you have so many questions answered already. Yeah. yeah. So that deal for an investor is already much, much, uh, uh, much better. That's good. Yeah, so that's that's right. the comment. Mm. So, um, and how do you see the market? You have a huge prospect for the, for the, for the mark, for the hospitality market in Africa. Yeah, so th- th- I see two two directions of growth. First of all, there's, there's gonna be around 80,000 hotels in Africa in the next 10 years. And not only the number of hotels is growing, hotels' needs regarding technology will be changing rapidly. We started with a pen and paper a year ago. There are certain stages of technology adoption. First, hotel need a website. Then they'll need a software to maybe to manage some bookings. Then they're maybe going to want to spend some money on Google AdWords. Maybe they're going to want to have some 360 video. Then they're going to want to, I don't know, have some tool that will tell them automatically that your competition rate has changed. I want to get an alert. As they grow, they will need more technology needs, so you can make start making more money uh, on each uh, on each hotel. That's very good. And then you have so many local companies doing the same thing on different markets. Some someone's gonna have to consolidate them. <laughs> yeah, so that <laughs> consolidation like, coming on, which happens yeah. in every market anyway. So, yeah. um, so this is gonna be a long haul for you, or you will soon. You never know. You never <laughs> yeah, I like that answer. <laughs> I like that answer. So let's go, let's go to the quiet, quick fire round question. So, what is your biggest pain point at the moment? Uh, customer education. The line, line, line employee, line hotel employee education. You don't win by convincing hotel manager to work with you. You win by convincing receptionist to use your software on a daily basis. Wow. So That's, the, the, the yeah. manager can say, yes, we like this. Yeah. And then the receptionist just... 99% of software implementation fails because they don't you don't focus enough on the employees. Because maybe their employees don't even get... They don't even know how to use yeah. technology and they're afraid of it. Yeah. What is your number one growth metric for your business? Active hotels. Signing the deal, but then keeping using it. What book are you reading at the moment? Or that you read recently? I just finished yesterday uh, The Tao of Charlie Munger, who is the vice chairman of uh, Berkshire Hathaway. Berkshire Hathaway, the Warren Buffett company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the name of the book again? Uh, Tao of Charlie Munger. It's his name. Which business is getting you excited apart from Hotel Oga at the moment? 
I'm not involved in it, but I think I will be. Uh, I'm paying more and more attention to esports. 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 Electronic sports. Okay. It's challenging for me because last time I played any game, computer game, was high school. But I'm excited about it from the business perspective because it's becoming as profitable and there's as much money in it as in the classic sports like football or basketball, etc. Is it like fantasy uh, league or or just game? Just you can play those shooting games or strategy or, or FIFA and anything like it. Right. And you have you have teams playing just this for money. Mm-hmm. And I just I, the news just broke that I think in 2020 or 22, not the next uh, Olympics, but the next next after the Olympics, some of the esports will be part of the Olympic Games. So building teams, not classical football team or basketball team, but building esports team, I think it's a great potential uh, for Africa, for Asia. Because just like Andala, what Andala is doing is that they take advantage of the fact that there's a lot of talents here that doesn't have access to employees, capital, etc. But you can you can fill that gap. You can do the same thing with uh, esports. That's quite good. That's interesting. Um, Marek, it's been great having a chat with you. Uh, I knew it's going to be very interesting, but I don't know if it's going to be this interesting <laughs> that we spend a Pleasure all mine. And I really hope that a lot of our listeners will find it very interesting as well. Um, thank you very much for coming to this show. Thanks for having me. Hope to see you soon. Yes, I hope to see you soon as well. And you come back to this show. You've been listening to Building the Future podcast by Dalton. These are the interviews with entrepreneurs that are playing a key part in shaping the African future. And you'll be able to hear all their stories. For more, sign up for the weekly newsletter at thestarter.com. Our revolution will be televised. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed the show. Before you go, I have a favor to ask you. And it will take 30 seconds of your time or less. It means a lot to me. If you like this podcast, you can easily let me know by going into iTunes, Teacher, SoundCloud, or wherever you download podcasts and subscribe. You can also go to our website, thestarter.com. That is T-H-E-S-T-A-R-T-A.com and sign up for our newsletter. It will be a huge favor to me and it's really simple and easy. If you subscribe now, it will help us a lot. Thanks. Thanks.